This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Agenda podcast from the Blood Red channel with myself, Matt Addison, alongside the Echo's Liverpool correspondent, Paul Ghost. It's been a fairly quiet January transfer window up until this point across the Premier League, Newcastle United aside, and Liverpool have been no different. But we'll be talking through the latest state of play in the market for Liverpool midway through the month, and we'll be taking a little bit of a look ahead to the summer as well. Ghosty, it's probably no surprise that Liverpool haven't done much in the window. They don't generally do that when they can avoid it. But I suppose with AFCON as well, there's been a few questions around that. But again, it's not as if Liverpool didn't know that that was coming. This is all part of the wider plan. If the right target comes up, they'll go for them. And if not, it's going to stay a a continued period of, of quietness this month. Yeah, it might sound difficult for some people to believe, but Jürgen Klopp is is of the belief that the likes of Origi and Minamino can adequately um, replace Mane and and Salah for for one, two, three games. Um, Now, those who kind of champion the fact that Liverpool don't have strength and depth were given um, kind of enough evidence to to make that point on Thursday, weren't they? With the goal was drawn against Arsenal, Liverpool really did struggle to create anything, really, with Firmino and and Jota in the side as well. Um, So you can understand people who are questioning why maybe more credence wasn't given to the fact that they were going to be without the two biggest goal scorers for what's it going to be. I mean, obviously, we don't know how long they're going to stay in the AFCON for, but if they go right to the end, it's, what, five weeks? Um, But, you know, this is how Klopp thinks. He is steadfast in his belief that these players can step up. Um, So I think that is why Liverpool have erred on on the side of caution in terms of looking to do some business in January. It's obviously a difficult month anyway, isn't it? You know, you look at Liverpool's January business under Klopp and Major Van Dijk sticks out like a big sore thumb, doesn't he? The rest have been opportunistic or um, players who really needed to to fill a gaping hole in the squad. You know, Ben Davis and Kabak came in last year, didn't he? And Stephen Corker came in in 2016, Marco Gruwich, but he went straight back to Red Star Belgrade. So, uh, Minamino obviously came in, but Liverpool almost took advantage of a, of a contract situation there where they found out the release clause at Salzburg. So, um, looking across here in Klopp's six years at the club, it's uh, no surprise to see Liverpool aren't in the thick of the action in terms of uh, January dealings. I can't remember whether it was uh, was Thursday night or, or Friday's press conference, but Jurgen Klopp was asked about sort of AFCON and, and the impact of, of those three players obviously being missing. Yeah. And his response was kind of, well, what do you expect if, if any team lost three players like that, you know, what would the impact be? But I suppose for a lot of, of Liverpool fans, the answer might well be, well, if it's Manchester City, it maybe doesn't make a huge difference. Maybe at Chelsea, they've got a few more options as well. I mean, where do you stand on that? Do you, do you agree with him or, or do you think maybe Liverpool should have done a little bit more planning in terms of knowing that these players weren't going to be sort of here for, for the next few weeks? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because um, let's face it, you take Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah of the team, like Klopp says, and, and any team would struggle, uh, particularly Salah, who, who I think we can agree is that the best football in the world at the moment. But is there an argument to be made that Liverpool knew this was coming? Liverpool offloaded Jane and Chikiri in the summer and decided against recruiting the replacement. They were also of the belief that Divock Origi was going to move on at some point. So just who did Liverpool have lined up? Because they surely couldn't have lost both of them um, without replacing you know, at least one of them. As it turns out, Origi stayed and, and no replacement came in for Shikari. You could, could argue that Harvey Elliott's development 
Um, is a Shakiri replacement, but he hasn't played on the right of that front three um, where Shakiri did when uh, when he was called upon as he this season before that injury at Leeds. So I'm not sure that one washes too much. He's been more of a Gini Van Alden replacement, if anyone. Um, for, for a club who pride themselves on long-term planning and, and strategy, I am a little bit surprised that there hasn't been someone kind of waiting in the wings to come in in, in January. As we say, you know, Liverpool don't tend to do too much business this month if they can avoid it. Um, so maybe they are looking ahead to the summer of, of bringing in players and getting them up to speed. It's a lot easier to do in the summer months when you've got July um, and best part of August to get your players ready. Your players come in in January and it takes them six to eight weeks to get up to speed and you're nearly in March and the season, you know, pretty much could be all over by the shouting at that point, depending on results here and there. So there is a, there is a logic to not bringing in players in January and I can't see the thought process behind it. But ultimately, you look at results last night and you think Liverpool could have done with another attacking option. Obviously, Divock was injured. Um, Takumi Minamino, two years into his Liverpool career, for me, is not really cutting it. Um, so uh, I do feel that another attacking option should have been brought in the summer. I'm not being wise after the events. I think I've written that a few times in opinion pieces and analysis comments and whatever else. But Liverpool have what they have at the moment and um, Thursday's goal, the straw, was not the required results with Arsenal down to 10 men for two-thirds of the game. But ultimately, um, you know, it wasn't fatal either to Carabao Cup hopes. Yeah, I'm sure they'll look to uh, to go through still even after that result. And as Jurgen Klopp said, they might even have a better chance 11 v 11 than they did versus 10. So we'll see how that one pans out. I'm sure the, the mood will increase if Liverpool do get through to that final. But it, it does sort of seem far more likely this month that we might see one or two players leave rather than depart. Probably chiefly among that list would be Nat Phillips. Obviously, he hasn't played a huge amount this season. But what's the, the latest on him? Do you expect that he'll still be a Liverpool player at the end of this month? No, I wouldn't have thought so. No, I think um, I think generally we will see a bit of business towards the end of the window across the Premier League. I think clubs now are just terrified of the losing players, aren't they? Because games are getting postponed left, right, and centre, and clubs aren't too sure who who's going to be unavailable to them. So I think we'll see dealings a lot later on in the window, and I think Nat Phillips will be among those, particularly from a, a Liverpool perspective. I still expect him to be the one who departs uh, Liverpool. And Klopp in particular was wary of letting him go in the summer when um, he needed to see how Van Dijk and Matip and Gomez were going to kind of readjust to that comeback after so long out and see how Ibrahim Akanate settled as well. So it's a bit of a um, air on the side of caution, better the devil, you know, kind of thought process. But I think now, you know, we, we started one game all season and that was in the Champions League, dead rubber. I think he's not even sure he's played any minutes in the Premier League this season. So... Do expect him to move on. He's a man in demand. What for the circling round? Newcastle have been linked. Burnley have been linked. The team in Serie A apparently made a, a, a bid. Uh, and I think if Liverpool get somewhere between 12 and 15 million for that Phillips, I think we will give him a big pat on the back and send them off with good wishes. And he signed a new contract, didn't he, at the end of August. There's a bit of a, a value preserver more than anything. I don't think Liverpool were thinking that he was going to be sticking around for that five-year deal or, or whatever it was. Um so I think he'll leave with a, a massive thank you from um, from everyone at Liverpool for his, for the services last season, where he helped Liverpool get to the Champions League, didn't he? And um, he deserves to be playing a little bit more week in, week out, a little bit further down the league. I don't think he's 
of Liverpool standard for the long term. And I think he can um, make a, a decent career for himself a little bit further down that Premier League table. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be quite a few clubs interested in him. He certainly deserves, as you say, to go on and, and play yeah. regular minutes. He's certainly good enough to, to be able to, to do that. One of the uh, the people who's sort of stopping him from doing that, actually, is, is Joe Gomez. And there's been sort of a, a few links around him and, and a possible exit. But I think it's safe to say that that one is highly unlikely to happen, Gorsi. Yeah, I, I never kind of gave too much credence to those reports that Real Madrid, of all teams, were after Joe Gomez. Um He's not had a great season by probably his own admission. You know, if you asked him to be, you know, quite frank about that, he hasn't played too much. And when he has, he hasn't been at the levels he was when Liverpool won the Premier League title. But of course, you do have to factor in the the, the reality that he had what was it, nine months out. He got injured in the November. He came back in the July, came back to competitive action in, I think he had to wait till September, actually, wasn't it? It was at the AC Milan game in the Champions League. So, um, yeah, I, I, he's still young enough as he needs to, to carve out a, a career at Liverpool. I don't think there's any real long-term concern for him within the ranks. I think it would just be a case of um, trying to get him game time where and when they could and get him back up to full speed. And perhaps with the um, kind of acceptance that it might take a little bit longer than, than others um, because there's no real um, danger um, or need for him to... Get back to 100% tomorrow. Is the Liverpool have got Canate playing well, Matip and Van Dijk are certainly first choice at the moment. So, no, not overly concerned with Joe Gomez's general situation. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get plenty more minutes in the second half of the season. I suppose Nico Williams sort of falls somewhere in between the sort of scale of likeliness of, of departure. Obviously, Nat Phillips at one end of it, Joe Gomez at the other. For, for Nico, though, you can kind of understand he needs to sort of get regular minutes for himself and with Trent ahead of him possibly that's unlikely to happen but what do you think that the situation with him is we know obviously there was that 10 million price tag in the summer is that likely still to be the case do you think Nico Williams is, is an interesting one really because you talk about Nat Phillips and we expect him to depart you talk about Joe Gomez and we expect him to stay but with with Nat, um, with, um, with Nico Williams rather um it could go either way um I think Liverpool were keen to kind of make it known that they were willing to listen to offers in the summer. And I think Southampton were linked, uh, as you mentioned there, that 10 million price tag. But I think the noise just coming out of the Williams' camp was that he wanted to stay, um, fight for his place and accept that game time would come to him in the cup competitions and maybe the odd few minutes here and then in the Premier League. Um, but that was a few months ago now. I'm not sure whether his personal stance has changed on that score. But... Um, I think Liverpool would be confident enough that Conor Bradley could fill in, or, or James Milner, as we've seen this season at certain times. Probably Milner more than Bradley if an injury was to happen to Trent, to be honest. But um, I think Nico Williams is probably someone who Liverpool look at and think he's a saleable asset, um, and they might look to move on a young Wales international um, who's versatile. So we shall await what happens on that front. Um, but as I say, that's a little bit more difficult to predict than Gomez or, or Nat Phillips, I think, at this stage. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting one with potential for Wales to be at the, the World Cup at the end of this mm. calendar year. That certainly adds something to the mix as well ahead of the, the summer. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
at the other end of the pitch, we've not seen Divock Origi for a good few weeks now with that injury that he's had. He's another one that's been linked with an exit. What's the sort of situation with his contract and sort of what are Liverpool thinking in terms of the sort of second half of, of this season and the rest of this month as well? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. This I asked Jürgen Klopp about this on uh, Wednesday um, and he, he was pretty much of the belief that Origi's going to be sticking around for the rest of the season. Um, his contract is up in the summer, so he can speak to teams outside of England this month. He's not given any indication that he wants to leave by all accounts. Um, and Liverpool potentially have an option of extending that contract, but it centres around appearances, I believe. So uh, whatever that threshold may be, I think Liverpool would be keen to kind of trigger that as, as a value preserver. As much as anything, Liverpool um, won't be looking to to sell them this month or listen to offers this month because of how short the options are at the moment, you know, with no money and, and Salah there, um, or a reg- sorry, or cater from an attacking midfield point of view as well. So I think this will be his last season at Anfield. I think Liverpool will be keen to listen to uh, offers a bit more intently in the summer. Um, I think he's only 26, isn't he? Seems to have been around forever. Um, I think only actually Jordan Henderson predates Origi's arrival in this Liverpool squad. But um, for now, I think he'll stay put and Liverpool will be um, receptive to options in the summer, like they were last summer in fairness, but for whatever reason, that never happened. Yeah, he's probably another one that falls into the category of probably will get a few more minutes in the second half of the season than he would in the first. In terms of of incomings, I'm sure that will be the thing that people are listening out for. But I suppose Luis Diaz is probably the most frequently linked player with Liverpool. There's not been loads and loads of them, probably because of of what we said before. It's it's probably unlikely that something would happen. But where do you sort of of stand on, on him? Is he likely to be one that Liverpool might look at, even if it's not this month? Yeah, I mean, um, he, he certainly won't be arriving this month. I think, um, you know, speaking to one or two people around around the place, there doesn't seem to be any real interest in, in Luis Diaz. I mean, I think Liverpool have drawn up a short list of, of wide forward options. He may very well be on there, but I, th- I don't think he's anywhere near the, the top of it. It's, it. Everything seems to be putting towards Jared Bowen and Rafinha as, as the kind of real ones who are interested in at the moment. The... Um, won't be bringing him in this month, but I think in the summer they might make a bit of a concerted effort to, to make a, a play for either one of those. And um, Liverpool's kind of recent history with transfers suggests that um, they don't really have primary targets anymore. They have two or three and almost kind of go for them all at once. You know, if you look back to when they signed Simakas, they actually made a bid for Jamal Lewis at the time. Back to when they brought in Jota, they were after Ishmael Asar around the same time as well. So I think um, I think they had the outline the players who, who you think can make a difference to the club and then the um, they almost kind of go for them at the same time. So I think Bowen and Rafinha would be heading up any list of wide forward options at this point. Um, Diaz, as I say, not, not someone who I believe they are massively keen on at this point, um, and certainly not this month, and certainly not at a price of... 60, 70 million euros that has been quoted. Um, you know, anyone who follows Liverpool closely, I'm, I'm surprised that some people believe those kind of reports. You know, Liverpool have done that once in, in the entire history for Virgil van Dijk. He was a player who they absolutely desperately needed and they wanted him six months earlier and, and they've only ever broke that habit of a lifetime once. So, um, can't see them spending that kind of fee 
again for a player who's not going to be first choice midway through the season. So, um, yeah, as I say, Bowen and Rafinha do seem to be the two at the moment. And maybe one or two others might creep up into that shortlist in the coming months. Um, Dan Juma at Villarreal is potentially someone as well. We've seen him like a fair few times in recent months. Um, I think maybe Liverpool, if they are keen on him, they did want to see how, how he was going to get on in the, in the top league rather than um, seeing his numbers in the championship. Um, but we shall see. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think Liverpool absolutely desperately have to address um, the um, attacking options in the summer months. Yeah, like you say, it's probably going to be a, a considerably lower fee than that sort of 67, 70 million, sort of maybe around half that probably would would be a, a realistic sort of aim for, for Liverpool in the summer, do you think? Possibly, yeah. I mean, I, I seem to remember uh, Lewis Diaz being linked to Everton in the summer and, and it was initially a loan, I think, and there was talk of 15 to 20 million at the time. So um, he must have had a good half of the season at Porto for, for the price to jump so much and for, let's face it, Without being unkind, who've gone from being linked to Everton to being linked to Liverpool, um, you know, the, the, there's a gulf of class between those two clubs at the moment. As much as the fans across the other side of the park wouldn't want to admit it, um, it is there, isn't it, for all to see? So, um, yeah, um, not too sure if uh, you know if, if the interest is genuine in, in Lewis Diaz. Yeah, no, I think there's uh, sort of few things sort of up in the air, I suppose, ahead of the summer, which probably will impact things. We mentioned the Divock Origi contract before. There's James Milner to think about, Cater and, and Oxlade-Chamberlain set to have 12 months left. And of course, the front three as well, Mane, Firmino and Mohamed Salah, the big one. So I suppose in some ways, a lot of what Liverpool do in the summer will kind of be shaped by what they do or don't do in, in other aspects of it as well. It's a case of if they lose a forward, they probably have to go and get one. If they lose a midfielder, they have to go and get one of those. It's maybe more of a, a fluid situation rather than just saying Luis Diaz or whoever it might be is the one that they want. Yeah, I think that's that's nail on the head, fluid situation. That is a phrase you hear a lot, actually, when, when you speak to people around the club. Um, I mean... The recruitment team will will be working yearly all year round to, to identify players who can potentially fit the system and you know work in terms of the budgetary restraints and whatever else. That is their job. Um, I was at a, um, a conference in October and Ian Graham, Liverpool's director of research, was was speaking, and he essentially said, you know, for for us to kind of justify our jobs, um, kind of. You know, in our corn, essentially, you know, recruitment is is, is where the, the big work is done. So Liverpool are non-stop looking at who can come in and who can potentially improve the squad, and you know, who can be part of the succession plan long term. But um, I'm not sure um, how many steps there are before you know Jurgen Klopp is speaking to a player and he's coming in and and the deal is done. I think there's a lot of um, work that goes on before that is the case and um, that is why when we hear of these names sometimes they, they may have been looked at sometimes it's complete fabrication sometimes Liverpool are really keen on them and um, we shall see what happens but certainly I'm not expecting uh, too much of anything this month and again Liverpool will be looking to get the ducks in a row for the summer months and probably the same way they did with Ibrahim Akanate you know they, they announced him at the end of May he was there on day one for pre-season in July and that is the ideal scenario for um for any transfer really in terms of the from the club's perspective 
getting them in as early as they can and, and making sure that they adapt to the system, which uh, by all accounts always takes some time. Absolutely. I suppose just to, to finish, then the biggest signing of all for Liverpool could be Mohamed Salah's contract. Jurgen Klopp's been asked a lot about that recently. There's been lots of talk, understandably, around it. I suppose for, for Liverpool in terms of, of priorities, that's got to be as much up there as bringing anybody else in, if not even ahead of those things. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I asked Klopp this on on, on his Friday press conference, um, kind of the club made it. Uh, priority to um, tie down the big names, didn't they, in the summer? And, and you look at Andy Robertson, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Allison, Trent, um, Henderson, and the one that um, remains unsigned is Mohamed Salah. So that's kind of said, you know, what is the hold-up on that? Is it basically the fact that this guy is an absolute superstar of the world game? Um, and things take a little bit longer when you're dealing with someone of that kind of stature. It's just to try and possibly get an insight as to why that deal remains unsigned. And, and Klopp kind of reiterated his, his confidence that there was no real majorly underlying issues. And, you know, he does seem to be making the, the right noises. But as long as this goes unsigned, it's something that will continue to agitate fans. And um, Salah says he wants to stay. Everyone at the club wants him to stay. So what is the issue? You have to look at the ownership model, I guess, for that. Um, but I think... Perhaps time. It's time to make certain concessions and break your your, your model for a player of Salah's ill because you know they don't come along too often. But we shall see. Klopp's making all the right noises and Salah, you know, keeps saying that he wants to stay. So hopefully we shall see a resolution at some stage. Yeah, you'd certainly like to think so, wouldn't you? Salah wants to stay, Liverpool want to keep him. You'd like to think at some point that that will get done. But that just about brings us to the end of this edition of the show, I think, for now. From myself, Matt Addison, and from our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorse, that's all we've got time for on the latest Agenda podcast. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.